This is Beat the Closing Line with Nicole, Mo, and Eli. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. I am your host, Nicole Russo, alongside resident NFL analyst for thelines.com, Eli Hershkovich and Mo Nawara. As you know, every Tuesday we take a look at opening lines, discuss which games we like, how we think these lines might move as we inch closer to game time. Before we dive into the discussion, make sure to give this video a thumbs up, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications so you know every time we post a new video. And if you are listening to us where you get your podcast, Podcast, make sure to subscribe to the Beat the Closing Line pod. And if you're listening on Apple, leave a five star review for your chance to win an Amazon gift card. The guys are 32, 20, and 2 with their picks on the pod so far. Eli, why don't you talk us through last week? Yeah, good week for me. Had Lions, had Chargers, both came through pretty comfortably. I gotta say, we're we're not only just over 500, we're crushing. This year for the NFL. And as I say that, we're probably going to go old for with our picks <laughs> this us. week. Right. But if you want to subscribe, if you want to head over to the Lions Discord channel to get the best of the number when Mo and I post our picks, be sure to do so. But definitely profitable this season for both Mo and I. I don't know. Mo said something about in the notes getting his teeth kicked in. So I just want to Mo. How, how was last week for you? <laughs> no, I actually had a really good week, okay, but uh, good. just lost way too much on the Bucks, But made up for it uh i think five and two on posted plays uh so yeah did very well but made my bucks wager a little larger had a little bucks money line so we lost some of those profits back on uh thanks tom you suck and we'll get we'll get into that one a little bit later but yes i don't think anyone really saw that game going that way and apologies if you hear my dog in the background today she is a little vocal at the lawnmower <laughs> going crazy in the backyard but all right let's go ahead and take it into the first game of the week we have seattle and the 49ers now the 49ers are looking to win their seventh straight game and clinched the NFC West against their division rival during Thursday night football. The 49ers are three and a half point favorites here and the total is set at 43 and a half. But third string quarterback Brock Purdy is dealing with an oblique injury. Eli, you like the under here. How much is this injury impacting how you are betting the game this week? Yeah, it definitely plays a role and it definitely has to do with the market perception of Brock Purdy overall because as well as he played last week against the Bucks. Fourth highest dropback EPA, only behind Kirk Cousins, Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, who put up big numbers against the Vikings. And even in front of Jalen Hurts, he's dealing with that injury that you mentioned. And Debo Samuel is also banged up. An ankle injury that was expected to be a little bit more severe, but seems like it's a low ankle sprain and out of around three weeks. But the Seahawks defense, and with Purdy being a bit banged up, 49ers already lean on the run game. 10th highest rushing rate across the NFL, but the Seahawks allowing a below average rushing success rate. And then on the flip side of the ball, Geno Smith, top 10 drop back EPA this season. So putting up a pretty big season for the Seahawks passing offense, but going up against arguably the league's best defense, even though they're a little banged up, Eric Armstead came back nose tackle for San Francisco. Lenore is a bit of a liability in terms of one of their two outside coverage cornerbacks, but otherwise this defense remains elite and if the game script unfolds like I expected to both teams relying on the ground game plays towards the under San Francisco 
as well with the eighth slowest tempo in neutral situations this season in terms of pace across the league. So I expect this one to go under in a divisional affair on Thursday Night Football. Give me the under 43 and a half. And I know we don't know for sure if Purdy is going to play. I do think he will suit up for this game. But with San Francisco having an easier schedule down the stretch, I I know that they want to clinch here, but I do think that they might take their foot off the gas a bit when it comes to passing to kind of protect Mr. Irrelevant and ensure that they don't have to go to Josh Johnson. I know, you know, that they have their scheme and the quarterbacks fit in, but you don't want to go to your fourth string if you don't have to. I was tempted to look at McCaffrey's total rushing yards here, but at 77 and a half, I don't think I can pull the trigger with the number where it's at. He went for 119 against Tampa, but he really hasn't had that level of production in any other game. But I was with you. I did think that they were going to rely on the running game quite heavily. But with McCaffrey's number at 77 and a half, I'm going to pass on that one. I tend to lean with you on the under here. Mo, what do you think about this match? That's interesting to hear you uh, uh, throw that number out there, actually, because uh, that means the market made a hell of an adjustment. I I gave out uh, McCaffrey rushing over on the on the Friday prop show with the coast to coast guys. Uh, It was fifty two and a half. I was like, okay, if he gets 15 carries again, this is insane. And uh, even though I liked the Bucks in the game, I just still thought that was like way too low. But it looks like they made one massive adjustment there. Um, yeah, if Purdy doesn't play, I mean, this line is going to end up being pretty insane. That's why I, I like the Seahawks plus three and a half. Actually, I I got on that early, and um, I just think, yeah, Purdy. I'm with I'm with Eli. I know Purdy looked good. I watched that whole game basically, well, until it got way way out of hand because it was such a short slate of games, just three games. I just uh, put on at my buddies. We we put on Chiefs and we put on Bucks and we just ignored uh, that Seahawks Panthers <laughs> game. Um, but uh, yeah, so I actually watched a lot of that game and dude, Purdy played well. I mean, he definitely did. I, I was impressed. I I I he he punished me for impugning his name on here uh, last week. But that being said, I mean something now, Purdy. If I yeah, now recall. now we're going to Seattle <laughs> though. This is this is a totally different situation uh, playing on the road in one of the toughest environments uh, the NFL still has to offer as far as like, you know, tough, tough road environments to play in. Um, so given that I like the Seahawks and I am not really trusting Purdy to have another big game uh, and with Debo being out, yeah, I, I do lean to the under as far as Eli's bet goes. Um, we've also seen Geno Smith's play fall off a little bit in recent weeks. He's still playing pretty well. He's just not playing like top three in the league well so that's kind of the the level of production you need before i trust you against this 49ers defense so um yeah that that's uh the under looks like a reasonable play to me yeah it seems like the market has definitely caught up with the McCaffrey stuff if he was sitting at 50 I might have <laughs> taken the over there but I am not pulling the trigger at 77 and a half next up we are going to talk about the Bucks a little bit for the second game of the day the we talked about this or hinted at it before but the Bucks got absolutely embarrassed last weekend by the 49ers in a 35 to 7 loss they're now going to face the Cincinnati Bengals who avenged themselves against the Browns with a 23 to 10 win now Mo you like this buy low spot here for the the Bucks at plus three and a half. So tell us a little bit more. Yeah, they did get embarrassed, and I feel embarrassed for betting on them. 
but then I have to just go right back and, and, and do it again, I guess, when I'm seeing plus three and a half at home here against Cincinnati. The biggest thing for me in this game is just looking at what happened to Cincinnati in that uh, Browns game. Not necessarily like what happened on the field because they played a fine game and deserve to cover, which I'll be honest, I thought the Seahawks were probably, or the, the Bengals were probably the, the side there, but I couldn't pull the trigger because uh, the market was telling me I was an idiot and <laughs> the Browns got steamed pretty hard on Sunday. So Sharps took a bath on that one. But yeah, T Higgins goes out. Um, actually, he doesn't even really go out. I, I think I heard he played one snap or something and like disobeyed the coach or something. Like they told him he wasn't playing and he like went out there and, and played a snap anyway and then they glued him to the bench. Uh, I, I believe he got a hamstring injury in warmups. And when I see hamstring, um, you know, I'm usually thinking that's going to be a multiple week injury, uh, at least a couple. So I would be surprised if he played this week. Um, and then Tyler Boyd, he's been not obviously as impactful as T Higgins, but once you start to get these like cascading injuries in, in a, in a, in a position group, things start to fall apart, uh, pretty quickly. And, we have uh, what ended up happening was just they just force fed Jamar Chase 15 targets out of 32 pass attempts, which is pretty bananas, uh, especially I guess I, I think it's actually 31 pass attempts because I think he had one of the pass attempts. So he can't he can't throw it to himself. So basically 50 percent of the pass attempts uh, were to Jamar Chase. I don't see how you can create sustainable offense with that. And yeah, they only had 239 yards or something. I think it was. And um you know, I know Jamar Chase is amazing. I know Joe Burrow is a very good quarterback, but it's just going to be tough to produce sustainable offense like that. And, you know, throwing to a couple more something, something T. Irwin and something <laughs> T. Taylor. Okay, I know T. Irwin's been scoring the last couple weeks. You don't want him to be a big part of the game plan, okay? Samaj so Pirine was second on the team in targets uh, last week. He's the backup running back. Like, you don't want the backup running back to be second on the team in targets. This is not a good situation for their offense and then on the other side of the ball too trey hendrickson may be out for the year he broke his wrist uh we'll see what happens there but definitely gonna be out for a while he's probably their most impactful defender i mean he's he's been very very good after a lot of people dumped on that signing when when they when they did it he's been great for them and uh yeah, I, this just basically to me comes down to the Bucks mentality. As long as they don't fold up and quit, which would be obviously insane, but let's be honest, they look like they folded up and quit last week. But to say that about a playoff team is wild. But I mean, when I'm reading articles about Tom Brady talking about who he doesn't know what his next team's going to be and stuff, I mean, that can't be good for locker room chemistry or, or energy. So. Uh, that worries me a little bit, but man, plus three and a half at home versus a team missing this much production. I, I just, I can't see how this line moves over uh, past three, basically through the look ahead line, which I would understand it if the Bengals were whole, like they played well and the Bucks were awful, right? But when you have a, a team take this many hits, I, I just can't get behind that sort of move. Are we really talking about where Tom Brady, like who his team is going to be next year? Like, buddy, like this is it. I'm sorry. Like you're either sticking with this team or you're finally done. Like I can't see another. Maybe I'm crazy. Like I know Tom Brady's the go, but like what other franchise is 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 signing like a 43 year old quarterback? Like 
you're just you're not doing yourself any favors like you said in the locker room like you're done like if it's it's the bucks or bust but i'm i'm with you mo here like i'm personally going to pass but i do think you're in a spot where it's bucks or bust here if you're gonna bet on this game like i said i'm gonna pass but i i think if you're gonna take a side you do take the bucks but you know i think tom is going to be playing with a chip off of a chip on his shoulder he Brock Purdy or something Purdy, like you like to call him, did actually make NFL history in that last game, becoming the first ever quarterback to beat Tom Brady in Brady's career in his career start. So I know that, you know, Brady's probably not going to be too thrilled with the headlines that are coming out. Mr. Irrelevant beating him in his first career start. I do think the Bucks will play with a chip on their shoulder. I don't think that they absolutely give up. So I think, like I said, if you're going to take a side, you take the Bucks. Eli, are you in agreement with us on this one? First of all, how many times has Mo, well, maybe Nicole doesn't even know this, but how many times has Mo come after me for taking a bad team and be like, no, you don't have to bet them again. You could just stay away. So I would like to throw some shade Mo's direction for doing that this time around. I think that's but- fair. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Are but the I agree. bad? They're not supposed to be bad. Not supposed to be bad, but Brady has a noodle alarm to Nicole's point. I don't know how he's looking ahead to his next team. And that's kind of why I agree with you. I think the Bucks are the side if you're going to bet this game, considering all the Bengals injuries. But the market is also moving a bit towards the over, as I think the total has jumped up from 42.5 to 43.5. I might wait to see if the market bumps this up anymore and maybe take a look towards the under, considering, again, the way Brady's arm has looked of late. Bengals have a top 10 Past defense according to a bunch of different metrics. DJ Reader has also helped the Bengals run D a lot, even though, like you mentioned, Trey Hendrickson likely out for this game and Bengals offense without three of their best pass receivers behind Jamar Chase. So this one kind of makes me lean towards the under, just like the Seahawks. 49ers game. Don't know if I'm going to bet it, but might end up doing so if the market continues to steam this one up. All right, we're going to take it into our WTF segment. What the f***? It's it's a quick one. It's just a, it's a little <laughs> warning maybe about your holiday travel. And now most people are probably going to come after me and say like, this is what you get. You get what you pay for. But listen, I had to take a last minute flight to Atlanta. It was $900 on Delta or 175 on Frontier. I could not <laughs> justify the $900 on Delta. So I got myself on this wonderful frontier flight to Atlanta. And let me tell you there, I think they have to be, there has to be a new bonus system in place at the frontier front gate, because you have to, every single person, all 200 passengers on that plane had to size their personal item. And, and when you put it in the little like sizer bin, you used to be able to like They would tell you, like, sit on that backpack. If you can shove it in, like, you're good to go. But now you're not allowed to touch (laughs) it. And if it doesn't slide in, you have to get in line and pay $100 for your carry-on item, which is actually not even a carry-on item. It's a personal item, which in most cases, it's more expensive than the actual ticket that you paid on Frontier Airlines. And it was absolute pandemonium at the airport. People were crying. The gate agents were threatening to close the gate on people that were waiting in line to pay $100 for a bag. So let me just, you know, give you some holiday advice. If you are (laughs) traveling this year, just if you can afford to not take Frontier, don't. Or if you are bringing a backpack, it better be the smallest backpack you've ever packed in your life because otherwise you're going to be paying $200 in bag fees or just 
I mean, it was, I've never felt worse in my life than taking that frontier flight. I, I don't know if I emotionally <laughs> have it in me to take it again. What's the threshold? That's what I want to know. What's the threshold where you think the value isn't there now after having that experience? Was it a plus EV wager? <laughs> what Mo was asking. Well, to be fair, if I would have spent the $200 on bag fees, my ticket would have been four or three seventy five total. And that was still $400 cheaper than the you know next available flight however i got you get zero snacks you get zero drinks on the plane your seat doesn't recline there's no tv in front of you so it's hard to say because i am cheap i am a very cheap <laughs> person <laughs> but i just i i've never usually like in now that i'm in my 30s and i'm so wise i just don't know if i can keep doing this to myself in my 20s i could justify it but now i need to i might need to just pony up the cash yeah, or I think not the fly. threshold for right, or just not fly. Probably <laughs> drive it out to Atlanta would sounds like a horror movie in itself. But <laughs> yeah, I think the threshold for taking Spirit Airlines is probably your early thirties, and then you got to stop because you got to just pony up the cash, Nicole. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think like <laughs> in my twenties, I I could justify it. I was like, oh, you just get off, crack your neck, like you'd be fine. Now I'm just really paying for it, like for a week after I take these flights. <laughs> so yeah, next time. But you know, also PSA: don't book last minute holiday travel, or you will be stuck on Frontier trying to shove a backpack into a sizer bin like me. But. That was it. That was that was all I have for you guys this week. I'm back safe and I somehow some way by a miracle got myself out of paying the $200 and it may or may not have included me like, you know, trying to like James Bond my way around the lady making people size and just getting my boarding pass scanned so quickly that like they couldn't kick me off the plane. So don't don't be like me this holiday season. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. All right, guys. <laughs> off good my PSA. Yeah, good PSA. Off of my soapbox, we're going to go into the third game of today's video. Mo, we're looking at the Bills and the Dolphins. So some are saying that the Bills are on their AFC East revenge tour, beating the Jets last weekend. Now they will face the Miami Dolphins heading into week 15. Miami's offense looked off, to say the least, last week with Tua going 10 of 28 and just one touchdown. Herbert ate up Miami's defense, which has been riddled with injuries. One of the big factors that is going to play into this game is the weather. It is forecasted to snow. The Bills are seven and a half point favorites here. But Mo, you are taking a look at the over in this one, which is currently sitting at, I believe, 41 and a half. And that has come down quite drastically over the last week. So talk us through this one. Yeah, I found a 41 and a half last night, um, got on that, but 
It is up to 42. I'm looking at across the board. I think people are going to push this up across uh, as hopefully the weather clears up uh, during this week. Because actually, yeah, the the forecast I looked at was was clear skies, but still very cold, like 20 something degrees, low 20s. Um, originally, I saw some fog, but now I don't see that when I looked at the forecast earlier this morning. So if this thing, if the weather stays clear, that's that's a big thing to look at in this one, because we saw this past week. Uh, the Bills offense struggling uh, against the Jets in, I, I think they called it wintry mix. It definitely didn't look like snow, uh, 100% snow. So that makes sense to me. Um, yeah, as long as the skies stay clear, I'm not going to be too worried about cold and, and light wind. I was seeing eight, nine mile per hour winds, I think, something like that. So we've we've seen a little rut for the Bills offense. Um, bad weather, like I said last week. And then um, against the Patriots, they just basically didn't try for half the game because they had it so sewed up because the Patriots couldn't move the ball on them. And that was like plainly obvious. The Bills were like killing the clock pretty much mid third quarter. Um, So I think market perception has dipped on the Bills, which maybe rightfully so when it comes to Josh Allen. I don't think he's quite been the same since since he hurt his elbow. Um, so I don't have a ton of confidence in him as I normally would, but still a very good offense. Still a team that's averaging almost 29 points per game uh, in uh, when they don't play the Jets. I mean, and let's be honest, the Jets have a great defense. So a combination of a great defense and poor weather last week. So I'm going to give them a pass on that one. And I, I think he can rebound here as long as the weather stays clear against a, a pretty mediocre to bad Dolphins defense I mean Eli and I targeted it last week with our Chargers play and um, I'm kind of targeting it again here I don't believe in them and on the other side you have a Dolphins offense that is also in a rut so I I think it's a double by low on these two offenses to be honest Um, yes the Bills have a pretty strong defense but no Von Miller and uh, this secondary not what it was at the beginning of the season not what it was projected to be if everybody stayed healthy if Tredavious White came back you know Tredavious White has come back he hasn't been the shutdown monster he was before Um, still getting up to game speed you know I'm not writing him off by any means but I'm just not willing to just handicap it as like he's going to be out there just elite corner shutting people down starting opposite something called Dane Jackson. We've seen that be a problem all year. Um, and no Micah Hyde has been pretty big. Uh, losing him, he was, uh, they, you know, they had an elite safety pairing with Hyde and, and Poyer. And this is, I, I think, a beatable secondary. Um, so given the way this Dolphins passing attack has looked for the majority of the season, this is just like two elite passing offenses. And, and the total is in the low 40s. I mean, this is just crazy to me. So I, I just I have to fire the over here. And, uh, you know, I know that I know that recently some tough defenses have been giving the the Dolphins trouble. You know, we saw the 49ers absolutely wreck them. We saw the Chargers absolutely wreck them. But, you know, the 49ers just might have the best defense in the league. And the Chargers built their entire team to beat the Chiefs, which is basically a similar style of offense to what the Dolphins are rolling out there. So as long as, you know, McDaniels, which I think is a a coach we can trust as long as he is able to get in the lab and make some adjustments here. You know, I I just don't think the total, I don't think any total can be this low with these two passing offenses, unless you're looking at insane weather. 
So much disrespect you put on some of these NFL football players' names with the something, something, something. I hope it doesn't come back to just (laughs) – I never heard of something Dane Jackson, and then he just comes into the season starting games for the Bill. I don't know who this guy is. I think I looked at He's like a seventh rounder. He's lost the something at this point, though, considering he's played the entire season now. He's a seventh rounder. He should be on the bench somewhere. All right, all right. Something Purdy really showed you who he was last week. Just saying. Uh, but, okay, taking a look back at this game, I do think the weather is definitely playing a role because, like I said, we've seen this total continue to come down. I believe it opened around 47 and a half. It was, you got it at 41 and a half, now 42 and a half. And we know Miami tends to struggle with the cold. They had sideline heaters in Los Angeles where the temp was 50 degrees. And listen, I'm a Vegas native and I went to school in Los Angeles, that's a little dramatic. I don't think you need sideline heaters in 50 degrees. Um, And now they're going into Buffalo. We know that Tua is winless in the four coldest games he started in with a passer rating of 61.4. However, that being said, when they play the Bills... We've seen both teams put up high numbers in these cold games. I think they went 56-26 in 2020 and 24-21 in 2021. So I actually do like taking the over here at the current number, 47.5. I don't like, but 41-42.5, I do like taking the over here. And I also think the Bills get the W. Eli, what do you think about this one? I lean over as well. Just my question is, even though the Bills defense is banged up, like Mo mentioned, I can't trust Tua right now. We've seen it the last two weeks, and this was with a Chargers secondary that was banged up last week too with Derwin James and Bryce Callahan out. When defenses like San Francisco and Los Angeles did, when they take the middle of the field away from Tua, he struggles. He's put up below average numbers the last two weeks, bottom tier numbers at the quarterback position. So I get it with, even though, Like Mo also mentioned, Josh Allen doesn't nearly look the same with that elbow injury, but he's going up against an exploitable secondary. You go back to the last time these two teams played. I don't know how Buffalo lost that game, outgained Miami by, quick math here, 270-plus yards. So inconceivable that the Bills lost that game, and at least Miami got the worst of it the next week. I'm sorry for since Mo took the Dolphins against the Bengals <laughs> in week four. But I am not going to have a play in this game, considering, again, my issues with Tua and this Dolphins offensive late. But do lean the over like you guys. Final game of today's podcast. We have the Jags taking on the Cowboys. The Cowboys looked like they were absolutely cooked last weekend against the Texans. But it's the Texans. So they had the lead late in the fourth quarter. Houston had four cracks at the end zone inside the five. Couldn't get it done. Dak and the Cowboys get the ball back, march down the length of the field late in the fourth and win the game after a Zeke touchdown. Now, this line originally opened Cowboys minus six. Looks like the Cowboys are dealing with some injury and money is coming in on the Jags. And it is now Jacksonville plus four and a half or Cowboys minus four and a half. Eli, you like the Jags in this spot. Yeah, a couple of different reasons why, and two from a situational standpoint. Number one, Jacksonville still somehow has an outside shot of winning the AFC South, and they'd likely need to win out. Best odds you can find on the Jags to win the division, plus 500 at Unibet, plus 500 
over at Bat Rivers Sugar House as well. Tennessee, within that logic, has dropped three straight games. They play the Chargers on Sunday, which is a monster game for L.A., too, if they want to stay on the wild card hunt. But looking at this Jaguars offense since week nine, Jacksonville ranks top 10 in EPA per play, expected points added per play, and even better, number two, top two in the league in dropback EPA, which shows how well Trevor Lawrence has come along of late. And while the Cowboys are allowing the third lowest dropback EPA overall this season, they rank middle of the pack, number 17 in Football Outsiders Variance, Metric, which variance and regression, two of my favorite words to use on any sports betting podcast or in any sports betting article for that matter. And it shows the level of consistency that you get with whether it's an offense or a defense. And Cowboys have the Eagles next week. So this is a potential look ahead spot in a monster NFC East matchup next Sunday night. Cowboys, like you mentioned, Nicole, also banged up on the offensive line. Terrence Steele, their right tackle, tore his ACL against the Texans. And they're expected to get Tyron Smith back, their left tackle, all-pro left tackle, who's missed all of this season with that torn hamstring tendon. But even though Jerry Jones said he's going to play this week, we still don't know at what level he's going to be at. And this is a Cowboys offensive line that ranks Bottom two and pass block win rate overall this season. Jags have the seventh ranked pressure rate across the NFL with Josh Allen and Trevon Walker, the rookie number one overall pick on the edge respectively. So I think Jacksonville can take advantage of a Cowboys offense that is a little overrated. And then you factor in that Dak Prescott ranks below average in the league in completion percentage over expected. So not only is Dallas struggling with its pass protection, but Prescott's accuracy has been a bit of an issue as well, even though the Cowboys are still in the NFC East hunt. I think the Jags cover this number at plus four and a half and at least keep this game within a field goal, if not win outright. Mo, finish this one off for us. Are you in agreement with Eli here or do you like the other side or are you skipping this one? It's probably a pass for me. Um, I, I thought this line was pretty fair. I, I did think the look ahead six and a half. I think I saw even um, at one of the one of the books had a had a, had a six and a half, and not just a six. I thought that was too high, probably. Um, <clears throat> I think the market correctly adjusted. Uh, we saw a bad Dak rear his head against the Texans, and and he can't be trusted unless he has a pristine environment around him. And that's why you know I don't trust this team in the playoffs when. You know, you're playing defenses with a pulse week after week. And uh, <clears throat> we've seen in the past, you know, it's interesting uh, with the injury here because I want to say, like, I want to believe, like, Karen Steele doesn't matter, right? Because uh, he's been kind of a disaster the last couple of years when he's been plugged in. But he, he's actually been really good this year. Uh, so we've seen Dak really respond to, like, losing Tyron Smith in the, in the past and just, like, his level of play fall off quite a bit. So if that happens again, then, yeah, I mean, the Jags probably win this game outright if he looks how he's looked in the past um, when losing a, a top tackle. That being said, my other side of this would be the same reason I wondered about the Jags being favored on the road, uh, I think it was, or close, against uh, the Lions. And it's just... Trevor Lawrence, speaking of variance, this guy is the variance king, uh, it seems like. He has some weeks where he looks all-world and has some weeks where he still looks poor. Even in this recent stretch that Eli highlighted, 
Um, that includes pretty poor games against the Chiefs. Uh, I was in attendance for that one. He did not look good and uh, scored 14 points against the Lions. Um, you know, I, I want to believe in Lawrence. I've always been in on him since he was a prospect. I, I was like huge on like, yes, of course, number one, the day I saw him as a freshman, I was like, this guy's future one, one hundred percent. But, um, I just like to see him play a little more consistently, uh, week after week. And, and we haven't seen it even, uh, so far this year. So, uh, we'll see if he can, if he can do it. I'll be impressed for sure. If it's, a, if he does it against the, the Cowboys. And I, and I would also say as somebody that has edited some of Eli's work, uh, he's number one pound for pound all time in the use of of the word regress i I think there might be people who have used it more through sheer volume writing for 50 years or whatever (laughs) pound for pound nobody beats eli at regress it's my favorite word to use even when it doesn't work out because it's just fun we have to think of some of the ones mo says too like and it's always adjectives. It's always like abominable or something like some ridiculous adjective bananas, for how bananas. bananas. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll all have a list next time we film. But <laughs> all right, everyone, if you are wagering this weekend, good luck with your bets. Enjoy watching the games. Eli and I will be back on Thursday. We will see you then.